Hello and welcome to Where's Shaz, the podcast. I'm Shaz Ahmed and my mission is to empower, educate and inspire you with stories, knowledge and guests in the world of property, finance and business. So let's go. Welcome back, guys and girls. Uh, My guest today is a little different to the usual people that I have on. So today I'm talking to hair care entrepreneur, social media influencer and content creator, Erin Kaur. Erin, hi. Hello. I'm so honoured to be on your podcast today, talking about business. Yeah, absolutely. No, really honoured to have you on. Thank you for making the time. I know you're really busy. No, I really appreciate being offered to be on here anyways. Cheers. Right. So the first thing I ask everyone just to share uh, essentially is their mission statement. So why do you do what you do? So as per my Instagram bio, I do it for the girls who grew up without a mum and a sister. I think a lot of the female experience is is spoken about openly. You know, we talk about the big things, part of being a woman, but the little things that we don't really learn about, how to behave at a wedding, how to, you know, how to actually wash your hair instead of what the adverts are showing you and that's all you've ever seen. Those are the type of things that I really, really believe in very passionately. And that's where my business comes into things because this is a formula that was given to me from my grandma. There are a lot of people out there that don't have one. They don't have a mum or anyone to pass that secret on. So like with everything, I wanted to share the secret. I wanted to spill the tea. <laughs> Can't keep secrets. <laughs> Sure. So, yeah, you mentioned, you know, that it's for the sisters doing it with a kind of a sister figure or or a mother figure. Has that been the big overarching driver for you doing what you've done so far? Mm, For sure. I think everyone on this earth has been given a purpose in life Mm -hmm. and you know when you found it, when it just resonates with your soul. And every time I find myself getting lost on social media or losing the motivation, I go right back to that as my mission statement and it it enables me to continue pushing forward. Fabulous. Right, let's rewind back a little bit then. So let's start with your kind of journey, your story. Um, Were you academic at school? Hugely. I was literally such a little nerd. I got like all A stars (laughs) at GCSEs, A star, AAA levels. I had, I think I had too many UCAS points because I did that much volunteering. I took it all too seriously. I did not need to be that serious about my music GCSE. Did I even do that? Maybe media studies GCSE. Whichever one I've never used again in my life, I did not need to take it that seriously. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did media production in uni. It was the worst degree. It's like the most useless degree ever. Did, did you go to uni? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to University of Manchester. I did business. Where did you go? I went. I went to Glamorgan in Wales. Um, I got a, a two-two, which is basically a lazy man's pass. <laughs> but um, I never used it. But then I say I never used it. I guess with what I'm doing now and Instagram, I get to use some of that. So maybe it's little things, sure. but for sure. And to be honest with you, like, I think a lot of my degree was very much about social development, understanding, because mm-hmm. I grew up in a, well, I, I'm here, a non-Asian area. Like, I had no community around me growing up in my school. It was just me and my brother, and then a tiny little boy in year seven as the only Sikhs in our entire school. Very diverse, but just not towards our community. And for me, being exposed to so many Punjabi people at university, that was, like, a huge point of growth for myself as well. I realized that everybody got hit with a jubble and it wasn't just me. Excuse the kind of like yeah. word when it's repeated all the time. Cliche, catchphrase, cliche. cliche. But it's a true cliche. <laughs> nah, to be fair, touch wood, I've never been hit by my parents, but I was always a goody two-shoes, mummy's boy and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> oh, it's, it's not, not too bad. <laughs> um, 
Okay, fine. So that, you know, good at studies. You said you got your degree, which is amazing. How do you then get into the world of work? Have you been employed before? I have, yes. So I was actually working since I was 14. Um, I literally, I used to get two buses and I would stand there. I was a, I was a hostess, maitre d', and I would have all my little GCSE highlighted notes hidden in the um, bookings. I think it was like a book full of all the yeah. table reservations that was just handwritten. We didn't have... Not to sound like a grandma, I'm 26, but like back when I was 14, 12 years ago, they didn't have like booking systems kind of on the front. And from there, I had been employed ever since. So even when I went to university, I was working in nightclubs. I've worked in so many different cities around the world in different positions within nightclubs. So up until I was 23. So for five whole years, I like committed every single weekend, every New Year's Eve, every Christmas Eve. To working in clubs alongside that i did various internships um within my field which i wanted to specialize in business um in both the uk and america so doing that then i suppose you're building up your cv as it were did you have an end goal in mind that oh, actually this is the job or the career that i want to do like i really thought i i think going into a business degree there wasn't enough emphasis on entrepreneurship. And I come from a very, very entrepreneurial family. Like um, my grandparents were the ones to move to the UK and they had a corner shop. And that might have seemed like the natural path for a lot of people who moved from India, but you know, that spirit kept itself within, you know, my dad's generation and in particular my dad. So I very much grew up around entrepreneurship. I don't remember my dad ever having like a boss. So when I went to university, I don't think the degree that I was studying um, or the way that it was taught was aligned with those looking to start their own business. It very much was surrounding here's HR and here's supply chains and all of these things are essential. But for when you're running a big business or part of one, not necessarily the inception side of things, how the impetus can be part of your brand story. We didn't talk about yeah. that. Interesting. OK, interesting. Right. We'll talk about your business as well, because it is pretty fascinating uh but i do want to talk about seeky the importance of that too because i know you do a lot of posts on it and also you kind of start every morning with a vibrant uh, story as well yes yes super important for me as i mentioned so my dad the wahidri my grandma she is very religious um mm -hmm. but growing up in a non-asian area meant that all of my knowledge growing up came from her and you know her knowledge came from her daddy so it was that kind of passed on the stories that i was being shared less so the teachings and the why the science behind it mm -hmm. when i went to university i was super excited to join sikh society you know my godmother was like erin you're gonna meet sikh people and i was like oh my <laughs> god and i went to the fair and there was no sikh society store that was the honestly shaz that was the only reason i went there and I was devastated and um, a bunch of my friends and I, we actually managed to get in touch with the previous like committee and we actually brought it up from the ashes, me and my friends. And it was such a beautiful moment because I remember I was managing the stall the next year for all of the freshers intake. And I was like, I'm here, you guys can see me, I can see you, like come join. Yeah. And the really nice thing is one of my friends who was actually older than me at university, she was a few years above me, she was like, you were the only person that made me feel comfortable enough to come and stand and talk to the people at the store, whereas all the other years, either it wasn't that or I didn't want to. And I think my purpose really at university was to develop a lot of my um, sicky based knowledge. So being involved and just kind of like looking at the other members of the committee as like guiders, as leaders for me, helped me so much because we used to do kata, which is kind of like educational speakers coming in. Um, I was involved in the sports committee and social media, which kind of came naturally to me. So I was having a lot of fun with the social side of things as well. 
Um, but that really helped me because it was very much like a self-sought, self-taught um, experience of Sikhi. Whereas I think a lot of my peers just kind of had so much more knowledge than me, but it was because they were kind of being fed it from the whole of their lives. They didn't seek that knowledge. So I kind of approached it with a very, I don't know, Shaz, like if you're into star signs, I'm Aquarius, which is very like detached, quite logical, quite like humanitarian, big picture thinking. That's how I approached Sikhi. So I was like really trying to dig deep into the science, the why, how does this make sense in my current world in social media? Um, and that's really where my love for Sikhi grew. And that's something that I always want the people who are following me to have a passion. So yesterday when I went to the Godwara, which is the Sikh religious place of worship, I encouraged them, go to the church, go to the mandir, go to the masjid, wherever it is that you find peace, even if it is just doing meditation, reconnect with that. Brilliant. And I, you know, I know, the, I know the answer to this question, but it's a leading question. So with the platform that you have now um, and the followers and the reach, how do you find then the kind of Sikh societies approaching you for speaking at events or doing videos or just helping out with that? Yeah, I do. And it's so nice. So I work very closely with the Sikh Press Association. So whenever I am getting opportunities from the press, like during the farmers protests, I was asked to go on BBC Sky News and LBC every single time I pass the opportunity to them first, because I think they are the voice of so much more knowledge than I have, especially when it comes to current events. I can speak at length about Sikhi and our history, but when it comes to what's going on in the world right now, I can't say that I'm the most politically aware person. I can't say that I know the ins and outs of all the laws and the farmers' laws that are being repealed. However, I can speak to the extent of the perspective from the youth and the impacts of social media. So in a lot of these opportunities, a, they're being passed on to the Sikh Press Association, or B, I'm only agreeing to go on if they themselves can have a spot. And this isn't something that I actually speak about super publicly, because why should I kind of ask for brownie points for giving publicity to a platform like theirs? Because we have one greater goal. And if if my attractiveness and not on a superficial level, but to Sky News, for instance, is because I'm young and I can speak English really well and I'm articulate and she's like a bit famous on Instagram. If that's the grab for Sky and I can open the door to the Sikh Press Association, we all have the same goal. So very, very, very proud to have that affiliation. And then I do a lot of work on Sikh channel as well. And on a kind of more granular level, I love whenever Sikh societies of universities or even just like South Asian society or business societies approach me and kind of like, I do a little session with the society members on Zoom, most likely. Zoom, so how are you finding Zoom? Are you, are you kind of over it yet or not? Super over it. Like even at the beginning <laughs> of this, when you were asking me like turning your camera, I was like, no, I know, like we need to read each other's <laughs> body language. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Fine. Um, and you mentioned at the start sisterhood. So talk to me about that. I know you've got a massive following um, and they kind of share with you, sometimes overshare with you, if I'm honest. But um, talk to me about that. What, what, what does that mean to you and how do you want that to be kind of a benefit to people? You know, they say, I know the longer phrase kind of contradicts the shortened one, but like blood is thick in the water. Um, growing up, I desperately looked up to any female in my life and just literally copied them. I remember someone I knew her favorite color was yellow. And for years, my favorite color was yellow until I checked in with her and she said to me, oh, I don't like yellow anymore. I stopped liking that years ago. And I was like, <laughs> my life is a lie. So I wanna be able to be a voice out there that can be a little bit different from the other female influences that they have in their lives. But I also wanna be someone that their mom, their must see, 
um, would refer their teacher would refer the younger girls to follow because they know it's a safe space. They know their daughter's not going to be fed any information that could be harmful or hurtful to her. Um, because that's honestly what I needed. And if that message or if the way I speak or the topics I speak about don't resonate with you, then that's genuinely fine. You're not meant to follow me and that's okay. I'm not meant to have you following me because it very much is a reciprocal relationship. I've said time and time again, but not kind of like to a deep level, but I really believe my followers like save my life and change my life. Every single year they do this for me. So whatever I am able to get from them, like even just now, I actually posted um, before I joined my call with you, I posted few days ago something about my star sign and then one of my followers messaged me she was like Erin I read birth charts and we literally just had like an hour zoom call just chatting about astrology and birth charts and it was just such a enriching and beautiful moment for me to connect with my followers and reciprocate what they're able to give to me and accept their talents as well it's a lot of pressure though right I can be at times um but to be honest with you I always say this like I'm very trustworthy, like I'm very responsible. If you were gonna let your 13 year old daughter have Instagram and follow two or three accounts, I would like to think that they could trust me to give her the right information. And because I have A, been doing this for a long time, so for five years, B, I think my personality is naturally aligned to understanding boundaries. There's a lot I don't show on social media. And because I've been having that pattern of not showing it for years, it comes naturally to me now. So. If I was to show my personal life, I think, yeah, there'd be mad amounts of pressure on me. But, you know, because I kind of keep that private, it's very much just, you know, me and my business and my personality. If you don't like my personality, what can I do? <laughs> yeah, that's that's your problem, not yours. That's their problem, not yours, as it were. Um, just on that topic, I think because you've spoken about it before and sometimes you post about it as well. You, I think you've said something like you really only post about 10% of what goes on. People don't really know what actually is going on. Um, how do you manage that and, and the boundaries of not posting? I think a lot of the time you don't post where you are live, for example, if you've gone for food, it's not on the day. To be honest, PSA, anyone who's listening, even if you've got one follower, don't post where you are, when you are there. I had a moment, I actually was going to speak about it. So I went to um, like a venue in West London, like West London, I know you're from Wales, but like West London is like Asian central. And I was there and I was with, a group of friends it was like the launch of this venue and this like really big meme page like that speaks a lot about what's going on in west london like tagged me in a story when i was there and like even looking back i'm upset about it because i was so many of my followers are at that venue and then so many people just live near that and not to sound like someone who you know oh my god everyone wants to be around me not at all but even if i wasn't erin the influencer if i was just erin the girl and someone tagged me at a location i was it's just not safe um so that kind of is somewhat of a negative um to being where i am you know i, I have found that at times you know if i'm in central london someone people like take pictures and send it to me and i'm just like listen there are so many more relevant things to take pictures of like i'm literally a little brown girl can we put our phones away <laughs> and maybe just take a picture of trafalgar square instead <laughs> Just do that instead. Yeah, focus on the important things. Um, definitely don't want to talk about your personal life because it's clearly very private. But I guess, do you have a circle, circle of trust, circle of friends that keep you in check? Definitely. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you relate to this as well, but the most precious things in the world I would never show um, on my on my social media. My best friend, I've been best friend, blood, sisters, since I was three years old. And for love nor money would I ever show her face. For love nor money would I ever show my other other friends, best friends. It's just not worth it. And to be honest as well, like it 
it brings them into the circle of the bubble of Erem and you have to respect that some people are just private and they don't want to. Okay, sure. That, I understand. I do relate to that as well. I don't. I very rarely share personal stuff. I post a yeah. fair bit, but I don't really uh, post about what goes on behind the scenes. Um, so you've done a bit of growing up recently. You've moved house, haven't you? Yes. I got my own flat. How was that? Nice. Oh my God. Do you know what? I actually think, Shaz, this is one of the most life-changing things like in my adult life. It's so my vibe, like, because obviously I moved out when I was at uni and then I moved to America for a bit, but I was like mainly living at home and I have a beautiful home. My dad has a beautiful home, but the problem is, and I know this sounds very, very basic, but I did not have a desk in my room. So I was living there from 5k all the way up till 200 and something K and I launched an entire business from my bed and that Truly, I would get into bed and this is when it was really bad. I would get into bed and my heart would be beating because I'd be associating it with answering emails and you can imagine, I'm sure better than everyone, yeah. how difficult that is in kind of like a technologically connected world. Um, and I just remember saying to my dad, because to be honest, like I lack a lot of real world skills in terms of like common sense and like business, not business, but like bank stuff and rent stuff. And I don't know how to do any of that. And I'll be the first to admit you know, I'm not very good at those types of things, but what I just on my dad is. So he helped me find this place. And just having this 35 pound Ikea desk that my friend came over and built for me because I obviously don't have the common sense to build a desk. Life-changing, best investment of my life. Forget the Chanel, forget the Van Cleef, forget all of it, is this table. <laughs> okay, so Erin, so in terms of moving out then, like you say, you want to share stuff and advice and tips, you know, with your audience. So moving out, what would be the key few things people should maybe have in mind and just be mindful of? So it's kind of interesting to me, like, I'll speak to you kind of from an aesthetic level. I didn't know what my taste was in furniture. And it was really interesting because I got gifted a lot of the stuff that's in my flat. Yeah. But the first thing I got gifted was all my kitchen appliances. And they were all black and gold, which is great. Very on brand for me. Black is my favorite color. Black and gold are my brand colors. And I built my entire flat based off the kind of touches of black, little gold accents here and there. So that was what I was most apprehensive about because I wouldn't actually say that I'm naturally a very visually creative and I, I, I'm not the type of person to look at something and be like, that composition looks good or those colors go together. I'm very much function over form. Mm -hmm. So I was really nervous about how I was gonna style my flat, but it came very naturally and I found that it helped to develop my own understanding of myself because I can see very much masculine elements of my flat, which I'm sure I got from living with my dad all my life, combined yeah. with like more feminine textures, like the soft cuddly things. That was really, really fun. When it comes to the kind of like actual groundwork, things that you need to know about moving out, you cannot underestimate the power of just having like one of your older friends and I had I was very blessed to have um, one of my friends who was a, like a decade older than me just helping me get all the essentials like we went to um, home bargains we went to the range she was just dashing everything into my Tesco shop into my trolley sorry um, and it was all the little things that I wouldn't have thought of like microfiber towels bathroom cleaner hand wash and that was so useful because obviously she owns and she runs her own home. So I was able to just see all these little things. And even on the day that I moved in, we did it all in one day. All me and my friends did it in one day. And those little, little things like having the microfiber cloth, having the hand wash just came in so handy. You don't always need to think big level sofa TV. You can think about the little things because that's what keeps you going. 
Fair enough. Thank you for that. Right. So let's talk about Erin the Influencer. So to you, what does it mean to be an influencer? So that is kind of like a muddy term. You know, I can see you nodding right now. I, I really feel like it's unfair and I really want to reclaim the title of influencer because that's literally someone who influences someone. Mm-hmm. If you have a hundred thousand, sorry, if you have a hundred followers and you encourage a friend to buy something because they saw it on your story, you're an influencer. The problem is, is when people who have a high amount of following but no influence call themselves influencers. That's, that's where it gets wrong. So for me, I'm very proud to be an influencer. I have seen my ability to influence not only people's buying decisions, purchasing decisions, but their attitudes, their preferences, their way and outlook on life. And whilst that might not be as common as the amount of people I managed to convince to buy a jumper, it's still a level of influence that I'm able to have. Um, So I'm proud to be an influencer. Fabulous. And if we get a little bit technical, so I guess a day in the life of content creation how much time does that actually take for you say in a day or or a week yeah so i am really really lucky i have um two amazing assistants who help me create content so what we do throughout the week is whenever we see really cool tiktoks they send it to me and like i'll save it and then when it comes to the day that we're deciding to shoot i'll have all of my for instance if it's adverts i'll have all the briefs ready and we'll sit down and we'll go through them or if it's just regular just creating fun content we'll have all the outfits ready and we'll just we'll just commit and you know obviously right now you're seeing the nice golden hour in my flat but you know the sun goes down pretty quickly especially this time of year so we kind of are restricted to how the lighting is we prefer to shoot in the day just because it's more clear um but yeah probably around like five hours very tiring very tiring i can imagine i mean very physical and what what i want to what i want to get across really as well is i know some people i've been speaking to not about you per se but is they like I don't think they understand the content creation is a full-time job in itself. Um, and also, I think putting yourself out there. So if if you're if you are the product, as it were, putting yourself out there to be judged and criticised and just just being assessed is takes a lot of um, guts, I think. Um, so social media. What do you think? You know, the benefit has been to you and your business just from social media everything i credit everything to instagram i credit everything to my followers i would have nothing without them i can't even shy away from you and tell you that you know it's hard work of course but like i had an audience there ready ready to sell to ready to buy what i was selling them because they believed me and they trusted me however i remember on the night that i launched it someone turned around and was like i wish i had a business that sold out in two hours and i just remember being sat there and i looked at them and i was like i've been posting for free for five years, don't play with me. Yeah. Because what people kind of like fail to realize is back when I was working, like I, was, I actually had a job. Um, I was working, consulting four days a week in central London. That Then Friday, Saturday, I was working in the club. And then Sunday I was spending my entire day shooting content. And this is well before I got paid one P for my posts. And I did that for literally over a year, seven days a week I was working for free. Obviously I was getting paid my regular amount from uh my jobs and everything like that but the social media part of it was free and completely like and everyone was like Aaron, what are we doing like take a break and i was just like no 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 i am not taking a break i'm like i'm enjoying this journey and yeah th- those years it was worth it in the end that's it i think you you had the end in sight you had you had the kind of you had your target you had your goal i, mean, I didn't even know where i was doing though I literally didn't. No. I didn't know I was going to launch by Arium. Okay. I didn't know I was going to get followers. I had no idea. I was just posting. Had you not launched by Arium then, 
What do you think you'd be doing now? Apart from still being Instagram, but what would you be doing? I think I would just be doing more Instagram. Like I post, you know, like one IGTV a week um, and obviously seven posts a week. Mm -hmm. I would probably just be doing more. Okay, sure. I like it. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. Question for you in terms of your following, because, yeah, you've got how many followers have you got on Instagram? Roughly like 246k. Okay. Okay. That's, that's impressive. Um, I want to keep this whole podcast pretty positive, but I guess what I'll ask is how do you maintain a harmonious relationship with social media? Um, I have been posting basically every single day for the, for the last five years. Um, there's been times where I've taken breaks most definitely, but again, it is that understanding that yes, I'm showing a real part of me, but it's only 10%. So when people don't like me, it's, they don't like that part of me that they're seeing. It's like a brand, you know? I'm very blessed to know that I have such amazing, amazing female friends around me and my dad. And fundamentally, like I could lose everything, but as long as I have really my dad, like I'm fine. So I'm kind of just like, none of this really matters. Like this is just all falsity. We need to just continuously be tested in order for us to reach our higher selves. Um, and I think every single time that I face negativity with social media, I'm like, this is God testing me to see how gracefully I can handle this situation. And then when I do so, as I always do, I will be rewarded and then we'll go to the next test. Perfect. Thank you. Right. Let's talk about biarium. So I actually, I actually have got, not on me right now, but I've got some biarium. <gasps> Shut up. Yeah. Where yeah. I got it about six, seven months ago. It's cool. I'm, if I'm honest, I've not been using it regularly, yeah, but okay. it's cool. I liked it. It is what, you know, it's a nice, nice package. The actual box was really cool. Um, and it is. Oh my God, I'm so humble. Thank you for supporting me. I didn't know that. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So tell me the right. Tell, let's go back again. Tell me the story behind Byron. So um, a tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, my mom was known for having truly like I say this now, but like every ask any mum who went to my whose kid went to my primary school they know erin's mom had the long shiny hair that really was my mom she was truly so beautiful and it was like the main thing about her was her hair and she got cancer she had chemo her hair fell out i'm gonna brush over this in case this is like in any way triggering to any of your listeners and she still was beautiful but of course she passed away and i remember just being um my my dad like i was living with my dad so he would like take me to the barbers to get my hair done. And they were just like, I know, they were just like cut it into a short bob. And my face was way too round to pull off a bob. I don't know what anyone was thinking and who authorized <laughs> that decision, but I would be in tears. So I would just be at my daddy's house working with them every weekend, you know, my dad was working. So just like sitting on a kitchen and just like playing around with different ingredients. And then when I was around, so that was when I was eight, when I was around 14, we actually landed upon the formula of Bayarin. And this that's what we stuck to for years. But this was a very manual process. We'd have to get the coconut oil, it would come solid, we'd have to melt it, mix it in a bowl with our hands and then like very messily like slap it on my head, like wasn't fun. So when I started to grow my following on social media, I realized that the main comment I was getting was like, oh my God, your hair, your hair. Yeah. So I thought, oh God, do people not know that you're meant to mix these eight oils together and da 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 da? Apparently not. So I did it for them. And so much thought went into every single decision, like every single thing that you can touch on the bottle, look, smell, everything went into it. A lot of people are like, oh, can't I just make it home? I mean, you can, it's not the same though. We have the highest quality ingredients at the perfect quantity, down to the 0 0.03. Yeah. I measured the quantity to make sure it was perfect. I went through so many samples. So 
it's just little liquid gold in my opinion liquid gold i like, I like little pumps as well it's a pump rather than a yes yeah, a pipette you saw my story the other day yes, see so many of these popular <laughs> businesses are launching with pipettes because they're cheaper and i'm just like do you not understand that you're like oxygenating the product it is highly unsanitary especially if it's being kept in a bathroom where there's dampness in the air you're using like the germs on your hand to spread the pipette then you're putting it back into the bottle which has been exposed to the air it's, it's just like wholly unsanitary at this point and i'm shocked to know that people are still using pipettes but that's what goes with when you're buying a cheap product, you're going to get cheap packaging. Makes sense. Fighting words from Aram Court. <laughs> you get you get what you pay for. So, right. So, by Aram, in terms of uh, kind of control, how much? What did you do, and what did you outsource? Like the branding, for example, I like the branding. But is that something you came up with, or was it sent off to Listen, Fiverr? You're a tacky guy. Do you know what font my logo is? Can you look at it? I know. What it, I don't know what font it is. It's a nice font, though. Nice and clinical. It's uh, Arial. Is this not Arial with a stretch on the on the? Yeah, it's. I designed it myself, but there was like some guy. I think he said to me he was a graphic designer. So I was like, "Hello, friend. Uh, can you please make this logo for me?" Yeah. And we were just like going back and forth on WhatsApp. And uh, yeah, it's, it's aerial, but it's just stretched wider, and the Y just drips down. That's literally it. Like, very very humble beginnings. <laughs> Fine, but no. Again, it looks good. It looks clean. Is is the main thing? Like you wouldn't. Thank you. It wouldn't look out of place in, let's just say, Selfridges or, you know, that, is, is, that, is that something you'd want to have it in that kind <laughs> of store? Selfridges, if you're listening. <laughs> I'll tag them. I'll tag them. Um, <laughs> fine. And again, business-wise, you know, having a business is different to having kind of a hobby that you make money from. So things like, you know, keeping your accounts, your invoices, staff, how have yeah, you... Yeah, so what I outsourced. Yes, yes, yes. So how have you handled and managed all of that? Because you are the boss, you are the founder, you are the MD of the company. Yeah. Um, so back in the day, I did everything myself. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very, very blessed to have the people in my life who were helping me like package it up. Um, that was the first two drops. I think it was too much. Like 500 bottles that sold out in two hours on my birthday as well. And like we were packaging it all from a hotel room. Like I think there was around four people who for the rest of my life, I will forever love and I will forever be indebted to. Um, for the fact that they helped me so much. Um, it was just tough. And then at this point, my dad still hadn't joined the company. My dad was really tough on me. He always is, but he was really tough on me with this. And he just like would not help me for love more money. And then I like spoke to someone I knew and they knew a fulfillment company. And I was like, that's what I need, fulfillment company. And I like went down there myself and just the most awful company <laughs> i worked with them but i feel sorry for any of my customers that bought from from me during that period because they didn't make the oil or anything that's also made in the uk but like from the same person that for years has been doing it um massive massive factory and uh, they just everything was just awful during that period it was so poorly managed that that uh, I actually can't even go into it. One day I'm gonna to have to expose them because they are they need to go out of business. They're awful, really, really bad. And um, then my dad came on board because I was having so many problems with them. And then I'm really lucky. My dad is a very, very strong, strong man. And we got out of that contract and we moved to an amazing fulfillment company. Um, they're the first carbon neutral warehousing fulfillment company in the UK slash Europe, I can't remember amazing there are so many cool upcoming brands that are also housed in that warehouse so like a lot of shared knowledge a very young environment you know when i go there i know the names of all of the warehouse workers and you know kind of like i'm just coming around and filming content and giving them little prezzies 
So that is outsourced now, so the fulfillment of the orders. But I also have a team of around 12 to 15 people who work for me. They came on board slowly, slowly as we started to realize like, care and we need to release control. And I'm very much someone who's willing to do that. First place that I got someone hired, after, not hired, but like came on board in my team was customer service. I am infamous for my poor texting skills. So you can only imagine how bad my customer service <laughs> emails were. Absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Help no one track their packages whatsoever. I just said, please wait. <laughs> they came on board. Fantastic. They're in-house. Absolutely the rock of my company. And then it started to develop because we initially started selling by RM and promoting on my page. And then I started getting all of the questions coming through to me and I was like, I do not have the bandwidth to answer these questions alongside where is your jumper from, sis? So we created a separate page for Bayaram and then I had a team managing that, um, which is doing really well. And start, we started to realize, you know what, we've actually exhausted organically the followers that we have access to through Aram. So we're looking to um, expand into other forms of marketing, such as Facebook ads. I'm now doing a lot more PR, which is super exciting. Um, so yeah, just kind of like leaning on all my different teams and the uh, agencies that I've outsourced that work to, for instance, like PR. Perfect. And listen, how, do, how does it feel having staff? Like I've got staff. Um, and I'm like, oh, hang on, I'm actually responsible for these people's living and their income. Like, if, if I, I think the difference is you've got a product that actually sells, whereas if, for me, it's me, I'm the sales funnel and I get business in. But um, how does that feel responsibility-wise? Good. Like I said, like, I'm a responsible and trustworthy person. I know no matter what, like, no one is doing more work for not more money. So every single time that their responsibilities are being increased, their pay is being increased. And there's actually someone, I'm not going to name her name, but she's like my little star. She joined in such a small role and she has just blossomed and blossomed and blossomed to the point where every month I'm like, you got a promotion, you got a promotion, like keep going, keep going. And she's so hungry for it. So I think because I have such a good relationship with my staff and at the same time, I accept, you know, people are going to come and people are going to go. That's a part of business. I'm sure Shaz, you yourself, you yourself have experienced that too, right? Yeah. And you need to learn to not take it seriously because at the end of the day, this is a job to these people. To you, it's your life. And I look at my staff as my family members. And if they leave, I'm like, you're abandoning me. But the new version of Aram is very much like, okay, cool. Like, I wish you the best. I hope you find your passion in life or hope you enjoy going back to uni or whatever it may be that they're looking for. But because we are working remotely, um, are your staff like working at a venue, uh, sorry, a location or is it remote? Office-based. Wow. Okay. That's intense. Yeah. Yeah, we're all remote, so we do a lot of like staff gatherings okay. and like really bougie. We do it special, so that's good. Now, you know, so you got Byram, it's a hair oil. To me, looking from the outside in, there's a lot of logical other products you could develop. Um, what is on? I mean, what, what can you share? What's what's in the pipeline? Yes, uh, so I'm, I'm sure you've seen we are developing a shampoo. I'm just looking over here. It's like my vision board kind of whiteboard thing. Um, we are developing a shampoo and conditioner. We're actually at the final stage. So we have the formula down. It's just in a 12 week incubation testing. Um, so that's to test the efficacy of it, the stability, the perishability, all of these like sciencey things. Um, we're looking to finalize on the packaging um, and then get it all approved. So vegan society approved, um, cruelty free. Um, I do extra testing on top of the um, EU requirement to make sure that because it's a product that's going on the hair, it also can transfer onto the skin, um, you know, as is the case when you're in the shower. So getting all of that testing done as well, which is incredibly costly, not necessary either, but just want to make sure that I'm entirely safe for my audience. And they have that peace of mind as well. No, that makes sense. And 
I guess, you know, Byram as a brand, do you, do you actually want to get the product in physical stores? Or are you happy with it being online? Because I don't think one is better than the other in these days anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So a lot of small businesses do support Bayerum and they have it, especially like hairdressers, um, masseuses. That's the right word. Um, is it? Yeah. Masseuses. No, it's not. Um, it's not the right word. Oh my God, it's going to bug oh, me now. Masseurs? Masseurs, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a funny word. Um, the masseurs, they do it for like Indian head massages and stuff like that, but they're just buying it from the website. If we have a sale, I'm sure they're buying like it in bulk on discount. And that's great. I love to support them with that. However, I've had retailers approach me who are looking to buy on a mass scale, but it, it's just like, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it right. And if they're not aligned with kind of the brand values, which is like very core to us as sustainability, I just don't think that, that it's worth it. Like getting that profit, yeah, that's great. But like, we're selling on our own anyways. And what if at one point down the line, someone turns around and is like, we want exclusivity, but you've got a 12 month contract with this random little, unsustainable company that I only did for the quick money, I'd hate myself. Yeah. So I'm very much holding out for the bigger and the better opportunities, but I'm being very, very, very shrewd when I'm sifting through these. Sure. Um, listen, I want to give you a chance because I'm a, I'm a bit of a cheerleader for people. Like if someone does something, I'm like, everyone needs to, everyone needs to know what you're doing. So you haven't talked about the brush. Yeah. Do you use it? No, I don't. I haven't bought the brush, but tell everyone about the brush, please. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So our brush is fantastic. Like, honestly, it's one of those brushes you didn't know how bad your brush was until you've used our brush. Like, the main amazing piece of um, feedback I get is from two people. A, mums and dads who are brushing their children's hair and they're finding that regular brushes are getting stuck in their hair, the children's hating the experience. Ours is so soft and has a mixture of different types of bristles. And then number two, it's from Bibian. Uh, old ladies who you know kind of have arthritis and our brush is lightweight it's made of natural um, bamboo so it's really really easy even like actually myself I have very weak wrists so I find that the very very heavy chunky um, brushes I was struggling to style my whole head of hair it would hurt my wrist in the end of the day but this one is fantastic and not only that but it can be used on the beard as well and it has vegan boar bristles so any of the audience who are listening who um, avoid pig products, what is it called? Boar products. Um, this is vegan, so it's like halal. Amazing. Um, demographic wise, because I guess I was a little bit surprised, but maybe I shouldn't have been that there are a lot of guys using the oil for beards and hair. Do you, do you know what the split is? Like, do you get a lot of men? Do you know, I'd probably say like 80, 20 at this point, but a really nice, I had a conversation with my dad because at the end of every day, I kind of like, scroll through the orders to check people's names. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you can tell where someone's from by their name. Yeah. And I'm starting to see um, people outside of the South Asian community purchasing a lot more and actually men. And funnily enough, we're creating a bit of a storm on TikTok for beard oil. And I think it is because, um, yeah, of TikTok, they were actually expanding more into the male market, which is, has always been a dream of mine. Amazing. Okay, cool. So look, I want to set up a business. I've got a product. What? I wouldn't say the best three tips because it's never just three things, it's a combination of things, but what three things would you say I should be looking out for? So one piece of advice from a factory that actually rejected me because I couldn't match their minimum order requirement, I couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. She was amazing. She said to me, um, you need to work backwards. So I know a lot of people are gonna be like, I'll oh, just do it this style, mix it in a bucket and pour it in the bottles yourself <laughs> with a like, funnel. And trust and believe I was suggested that and I actually considered it, but I was just like, hey, hey, hey. that's not A, my style, B, it's not safe at all. 
So um, work backwards. Where do you want to be? Yeah. So when you want to be in places like Selfridges, Harvey Nicks, et cetera, they are going to ask you to have full certification and full evidence and all your customer service issues need to be recorded so they can check over it. Like you need to make sure that you've laid the groundwork properly from the beginning. Make sure the company is registered. Make sure that there's a bank account set up. Make sure that you have the emails made correctly. You know, I wasn't using Bayerum at Gmail at any point in this journey. That's a good point. I was going to say this Gmail thing. I see a lot of... Um business people and a lot of property investors who are trying to raise money off other people and their email address is so-and-so at gmail.com and it's it's like look it takes wow. about tw- it's about 12 pound a year to get a domain name even if that yeah just buy it and get a proper email address that's a very good very very good tip yeah definitely um for me even like uh when brands like reach out to me as an influencer I'm just like, why are you messaging from your Gmail account? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I work backwards. Um, number two, if you don't start now, there's 7.6 or whatever billion people on this earth. Someone else, I guarantee, has that exact same idea. But the only difference between you and them is they're braver than you. Don't let yourself lose to the braver person. Be the braver person and do it yourself. And then finally, I would say don't copy anyone. I've seen a million or one copycats of Bayaram. They don't go anywhere at all. And the thing is, is like you look like you're a step behind because you are a step behind. Create something that's your own. I'm not the first person to ever make hair oil in no way stretch of the imagination by saying that, but I'm the first person to do it in my way and market it my way and design it in my way. So if you're looking to do something that already exists, put your own spin on it. Put blinders on if you need to. Looking at your competition is a great thing, but sometimes you can look too hard and you can get too influenced. So just make sure that you're just focus on yourself and bringing a USP to whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, just just do you. Um, here's a question, because I want to talk into this business stuff a bit more. Do you think Byram is in a position where, let's say you were removed from that, because, you know, would, that, would the business still work? No, not at this point. Even if I was to, like, sell it a billion years down the line, like, I would still have to be involved. I... I am by Aram. I don't even think I have blood in my veins. I think I have oil in my veins at this point. <laughs> Seems to be shampoo and conditioner mixed in with that. Um, so no, I don't think it would, but I would love for it to be at a point. And I'm actually noticing this, like funnily enough, people see me and they're like, oh, she's the by Aram girl. She's the hair oil girl. They're not saying that's Aram. And I'm just like, yeah. okay, this is interesting. You guys know my oil more than you know me. And the funny thing about it is I think my oil made me more I'm not going to use the word famous because I'm not famous, but made me more quote unquote famous because that where a household of a, let's say a nuclear family, the daughter would follow me. But now the daughter bought the oil and the oil is sitting in the family bathroom. The brother's using it. The dad's nicking it for his daddy. The mum's using it whenever her sisters come around. So all of them know who I am now, um, which is an amazing thing. And everyone kind of speaks to me and tags me um, alongside by Aaron. I mean, I think it's, it's the chance to speak to each other and everything like that. So yeah, not at all, not right now. Sure, and I think by having a product, whether it's oil or even if you're selling key rings or whatever, it's a tangible product that you've got now. So you're not just, not a dumb down being an influencer or co-creating content, but you're not just a person who's on social media posting photos. You've got an actual product that you can buy, touch and feel. So yeah, that's very interesting. Now, do you, I mean, from the sounds of it, you do your own social media. Do you reply to everything? How how do you keep on top of that? Because I imagine you get a lot of messages and all the rest yeah. of it. Um, I do. It kind of comes in peaks and troughs. So normally for my normal day, it'll be a couple hundred. But say if I post something like, oh, I had a bad day. This is what happened. Of course, I have a very empathetic audience and they all message me. And 
every single message. To me, I feel, listen, you're a mom, you have a full-time job and you're, you're looking after three kids on the age of 10. You are the one that I should be grateful who messaged me considering that you have all of that on your plate. So if you have time to message me, I have time to respond back to you. It is about reciprocity at the end of the day. And I gain so much from these messages, like word for word, I read them. And some of them, of course I miss, like I'm human and there's a lot of messages there, but I think my audience are coming to a point now where they recognize that Erin might miss it. And that's okay, because she has a lot and they're just very self-aware people, which I think is one of the most beautiful things about them. Erin, so about you kind of personally self-development, do you, you sound like you're awfully busy all the time, which is understandable, but do you do any kind of books or podcasts? How do you grow as a person yourself? Well, first of all, I'm a subscriber to yours. Um, and then I'm going to start listening after my one. I'm not going to listen to this one, but I'm going to start listening. Because <laughs> um, do you know what it is? Whenever I do a podcast with someone, we're like, let's have a listen. Like, what's their patter? Because I actually did a few. I'm not going to name names, but really really painful you know when people just don't have social skills and i kind of felt myself carrying the interview and i was just a bit like that was tiring <laughs> well i mean i'm pretty awkward but that's that is my thing so it's it's fine i'm okay with it i'm self-aware that i'm awkward so it's fine self-aware that's why that's why i don't do videos <laughs> <laughs> i don't feel awkward at all um but yeah so we kind of like listen to like me and my management to be like okay are they a weird person or are they normal and so cool i listen to yours and um I really, really, I know this sounds a bit weird, but like I'm deeply fascinated with perfume. So I listen to a lot of perfume related podcasts. Mm-hmm. My favorite one to switch off to, shout out Pammy, is <laughs> Coaches Don't Play. This, honestly, I don't have time for anything, but every Thursday when an episode of this podcast comes out, it's like these, these kind of like brother, sister duo, friend duo, and they're in Canada and they just chat absolute bagwas about everything. And it's the funniest, funniest stuff. Like I'm in my car laughing out loud. It's so funny. That's my favorite, favorite thing to do. Aside from that, um, I'd love to hear your recommendations, by the way, because I feel like we might like the same things. I'm, I read Chimp Paradox recently. Yep. Yeah, I'm about to begin Atomic Habits and I'm currently reading a book about um, communication. So I'm very into like psychology, uh, like reading people, communicating, understanding kind of like the nuances of conversation and this book is like making me an assassin. Like if I go to a party and I need to talk to people, like watch out, uh, you will be my best friend now. <laughs> Fine, I'll, I'll send you some recommendations. But yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a similar vein, self-development, all that kind of stuff, mindset. What's your favorite podcast? Um, Do you listen to Stephen Bartlett's? I love Stephen Bartlett. I like Stephen Bartlett, it's good. I mean, I know he's been having a bit of press right now, but it's fine. I think um, his guest selection is getting better and better. He's had um, Dr. Jordan Peterson on recently. Do you know Jordan? Oh, I, it was at the second most recent one, and it was How to Live Your Happiest Life or something. Yeah, he he cried on the podcast. He oh, cries Stephen on all cried. his interviews. No, Dr. Jordan Patterson. Oh, that's Peterson, so funny. Patterson. Um, do you know what the really recent one with Johan something about attention? Yes. Oh my god! Wait, mm-hmm. that was gripping. Did you listen to it? I've heard the first half, Simakar, but yeah. Same, I'm halfway through. It's so interesting. For those of you guys who haven't listened, it's about like the attention deficit that the generation is is having. And I really like the fact that he didn't put the onus and the responsibility on the people because it is like, it just happens as a result of time. It's not just like, oh, millennials can't listen. Gen Z can't listen. And he really shifted it to being about like a global problem that's just happening as a result of time and technological progression anyways. Honestly, so interesting. And... Stephen was right. The way he tells stories is so beautiful. 
I was yeah. hooked. The, the one I heard recently from Stephen Bartlett, just stop talking about Stephen Bartlett. But anyway, the one I talked about Stephen Bartlett was uh, Jimmy Carr. Oh, my dad now, biography. Was it a good old um, podcast? Uh, yeah, I never thought I'd be getting life lessons from Jimmy Carr of all no people. But it was really, really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had a tough life. Okay, he'll be your next guest. Jimmy Carr, let's manifest he'll, it. Let's manifest that. But, you know, and the last time, I, I love giving shout outs to people. So I don't really exist in this guy's, in this guy's world. He doesn't have a clue who I am. But... Um, I would definitely search out for any interviews or podcasts that have Hassan Minhaj on there. Do you know the American comedian? Yeah. Because I can relate to so much being, again, from, you know, DC background. And and the way he talks is, you know, it's not a joke to be Asian. Like, he talks about real stuff that's going on. Yes. And in a serious way. Yeah, um, yeah. His Netflix special is spot on. I think I and, um, yeah. You know, he's really good. So I'd recommend him as well. So, listen, it's your um, it's your birthday month, isn't it? It is Aquarius season, gang gang. <laughs> gang gang. Um, have you have you got a list of stuff you want to get? Or did you make a big deal? I mean, first of all, do you make a big deal? Like hate your birthday? my birthday. Hate my birthday. Okay. For the longest time, no one knew it was the twenty third of Jan. But then last year, I did a sale on my birthday. Um, so I literally was glued to my laptop. Like sale periods, honestly, Shaz, like kill me now. Black Friday, I look back at like a traumatic event of my life. It seems calm. The ocean seems calm and gentle on the surface. Underneath, war zone. Complete yeah. war zone in my group chats until like five in the morning. Um, so yeah, I was gonna do that just for funsies on my birthday this year. And uh, I think the universe conspired against it because the, I'll actually show you the tote bag. Um, I haven't announced it or anything, but that we were gonna give. Nice. Um, these are really strong and good quality, by the way, as well. No, no bad quality stuff from us. Um, they just, they just weren't going to get, to, obviously British made, but like they just weren't going to get to us on time. So I'm going to be spending it with my godmother. I'm not like a big party group type of person. I'm very much like, I don't drink or anything. So she's my favorite person and I'm just going to be spending it with her like at a hotel and doing wholesome stuff. I think we're going ice skating, which I really like. <laughs> I sound like a loser. <laughs> very wholesome stuff, bit, bit square, but it's fine. It is what it is. Um... <laughs> Right, just to, let's kind of wrap up now. But first of all, so I, uh, let's say, point of view. So I am an 18-year-old boy or girl, um, and I just want to be an influencer. That's it. I don't I don't know why. I don't understand what I'm influencing or what my kind of values are, but I want to be an influencer. What would you say? Okay, so funnily enough that you asked me that, I did an assembly recently with some kids. I think it was in Dagnum. Um, which is like an area, I believe, East London. And um, I said to the kids at the end, I goes, who wants to be an influencer? Truly, can you can you guess what percentage of the audience said it? I'm going to say pretty much everyone must have put their hands up, but yeah. Yeah. And I just looked at them and I was just like, oh God. Because I get it. Back in the day, like probably, like when you were at school, people wanted to be like footballers and whatever yeah. the cool thing was back in the day. Now it's being an influencer. And I think... You know, like looking at it, you're seeing the outcome, but you're not seeing everything that goes into it. You're not seeing the hours that I would spend with my management discussing ideas. You're not spending the, the seeing the arguments over contracts and the emails and the back and forth and the products that I don't like and the rejections that I'm having to give to brands and just the difficult conversations that we're having surrounding like, you know, if someone doesn't tag appropriately or someone doesn't fit the brief and reshooting it. And it's just like, I've shot so many adverts for products I love, but in such 
desperate points in my life where I just, I didn't have the time. I didn't want to. I was in a bad mood. I didn't feel well, but I had to do it. And that's, that's the same for every job. We all need to do that. And we all need to push through. Um, but with uh, being an influencer, it really is 24 seven. And you are, if you don't have that kind of good boundaries, you are putting yourself out there very, very exposed. And if you don't have the boundaries to know that they're hating on me as a brand, not me as a person, um, it can take you down a very deep, dark spiral. And the other thing that I've learned is people can just twist stuff with yeah. no evidence whatsoever. And you're just sat there and it's just like, what can I do? You know, the truth yeah. will prevail. I need to handle this gracefully. This is a test. But internally, you know, that externally, people just think you're an idiot, you know? Yeah, no, I, I understand. I think um, personal branding, I think is important. I think these days, especially if you're offering a service, but being an influencer is completely different. And yeah. like I said, it's a full-time plus more commitment, yeah. which is not for everyone. I think unless you know what you want, what you want from that, it's probably not worth yeah. and listen, choosing. If even what I've just said didn't deter you, then that's fine. Maybe you really want to do it. And that's great. The world needs more people to show their true and authentic selves, but make sure that you have a goal that is beyond earning money and getting popularity. So mine was always doing it for girls who didn't have a mum or sisters. It wasn't to get loads of followers and to like build a brand and like sell it to like thousands of people. So keep your why very close to your heart and make sure it's different. You know, I've seen a lot of people try and kind of like reiterate the same messaging time and time again. And it's just not authentic because yes, it can be the same thing. And I always say this, but just do it in your own way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. And how do you keep then your your mind and your ego strong because I imagine in what you do from the influencing side, there's a lot of yeses. There's also a lot of rejection and no's. How do you keep yourself positive? Oh, I'm really bad at handling rejection, infamously bad. I <laughs> absolutely can't. Personal life, regular life, social life, business life, yeah. gym life. I can't. I absolutely can't. Um, so I'm very lucky in the sense that like I have um, filters. So my management filter the no's to me. Um, you know, I'm lucky in the sense that my friends are able to like speak nicely when they're saying no, because I'm like, <laughs> wait, you don't want this tangerine I'm giving you? You're rejecting <laughs> me? What yeah. is happening? Like mental combustion. Um, so yeah, that, but then at the same time, you know, there's a lot of yeses and it very much takes someone who has been, I would say not to, not to speak about myself, but like someone who's been raised right and someone who has very grounding people around them, not to let their themselves run away with the yeses. You know, remember those times where, I remember the times where everyone who liked my picture, I would go and like theirs, because I was so grateful. Again, that reciprocity that they even liked my photo. Just don't ever lose that. Don't ever forget those times. Yeah, Erin, and one thing I just want to say really, because um, I see it a lot is that, you know, you've got someone famous, which could be a celebrity or an influencer, and then there's people kind of digging up stuff from their past when they were 16, saying things maybe they shouldn't have, but then kind of cancelling them. So I think, me personally, I think cancel culture should be replaced with just avoid culture. If you don't like what someone's doing or done, just avoid them. They don't have to exist in your dojo, as it were. So I'll give you an example. Like right now, so Conor McGregor, the MMA fighter, um, used to be a big fan. But recently he's doing, he's just been a, a bit of a bit of an idiot, really. And... I'm not going to cancel him. I'm just not going to follow him or kind yeah. of interact with anything he does. It takes a do, lot. Do you agree with that? Someone, it does. Mm. Like I think the most rational people in this world are the people who. I mean, I like the way that you were. Did it like not allowed in your dojo? Um, yeah, just just like unfollow them. Just don't don't because actually a fair point. You can create your timeline, and a lot of people say they feel down by social media or they don't like it. So don't follow that person. Just just create the positive things that you want to see. 
and let that be on your timeline. You don't have to follow Beyonce because she's the most followed person or Selena Gomez or whoever it is. Follow who you want to follow who makes you happy. And if they don't make you happy, if they stop making you happy, mute or unfollow them. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. But you'd be surprised how many people, they don't, they, don't, they, they seek, I wouldn't say negativity, but they seek the drama, they seek, they seek all of that kind of right, stuff. Right. Um, so Erin, just in terms of social media, just we're going to end this now really quickly because I know you're busy. Um, yeah, which platforms are you on that people could follow you on? So um, TikTok and Instagram are probably my best ones and it's just Erin. So that's E-R-I-M. Yeah. You can tell you got on there early because you got your name on there. Um, oh, no, no, no. And- Fun story. I actually oh, wow. went to TikTok okay. headquarters. I was Erin Core. They took yeah. the username Erin from someone and gave it to me there and there on the spot and I was just like, Wow, Sorry, that's sorry. influence. That's influence. Are you on? <laughs> are you on YouTube as well? I am. It's Erin Core. Fine, um, and that's a little business tip, actually, guys. Is like if you are setting your businesses, make sure I would say anyway that all the usernames on all these yes. platforms you can try and get a similar or the same if if possible because it just makes you more consistent. Completely agree. Look at me giving out tips. I'm, that was a I'm good tip. Clue. And do you know how you can get your name <laughs> is by trademarking it. So you own the rights to that name. So anyone that puts RM anywhere, like I can get it taken down because that's my intellectual property. I trademarked it. Love that, love that. Erin, so as we're just wrapping up this podcast now, um, I guess what are the next steps in the, in the journey? It's really focused on the shampoo and conditioner right now. Like that is actually a game changer. People who come to my house and they like, I will just be like, hey, can you just take a shower and wash your hair for me, please? Just let me know your thoughts. They, they come out of the shower, like brand new people and they're like, Erin, like life-changing. And I'm just like, yeah. So really focused and so excited for that. I think that will really solidify us as like a hair care, beard care brand. Because right now we've got two products, you know? Having a full line will be good. Perfect. You know what? I think I keep, I keep going on little tangents here. I think right. your business and you maybe are probably not, are probably above it, I guess, is maybe the wrong word. But that kind of product, that kind of range, would you, sometimes you see people on Dragon's Den and those kind of shows trying to offer investment in that business is that the kind of thing you'd look at or not no no i don't need investment for my business yeah every single drop i had from the beginning i reinvested into more stock and that's just kind of how i built my business and the supply is matching the demand so we're good perfect well it sounds like you are absolutely killing it so look i really appreciate your time thanks for coming on and i will share your tags on the episode notes Thank cheers you. Aaron. and let me know your address i'll send you some shampoo and conditioner when it comes out honestly ah, fabulous <laughs> thank you cheers so what did you think of that please do leave a review on apple podcast five stars of course and also connect with me on socials at where's shaz until next time be humble be grateful be peaceful